0: Good morning, it's still morning, yes it is. It's lovely to be with you again and uh, I always like when I come to Moody's to open up God's Word. Um, I think I said this the last time I was here, when I'm coming to a place, going to a place to preach the Word of God, I always ask God to give me some kind of direction um, as to what I should be preaching on and this morning um, I had re, reaffirmation of the word that I was to preach to you this morning and a lot of the things that Vic was saying it's amazing how God works let me just mention when Vic and I were praying at the front this morning before we came uh, started the meeting um, Vic spoke about the community that was sleeping you will hear something like that in the message this morning how the community needs to be awakened Um, he also said spoke about the resurrection in his prayer and i'm going to just be touching on the resurrection this morning but also in the hymn that we were singing there just before um, we we stood up to open up the word of god ashamed i hear my mocking voice call out amongst the scoffers we're going to touch on that this morning about the mocking voice and so I would like if you would turn with me first of all to Acts chapter 1 and I just want to read a few verses from Acts uh, chapter 1 This is, uh, uh, of course, after the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, the Lord is about to ascend into glory. Um, And uh, I want just to raise one or two points in Acts chapter 1. Before I go into the main message, which is in Acts chapter 2. And I want to focus on the coming of the Holy Spirit along with Peter's message at Pentecost. Uh, which is really quite important but acts 1 in verse 1 the, this first account i composed theophilus about all that jesus began both to do and teach until the day when he had been taken up into heaven wow isn't that wonderful the fulfillment of the promises of isaiah the prophecy of isaiah his days shall be prolonged, which was evidence of the resurrection and, of course, his ongoing life um, until the day when he was taken up into heaven. And he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these things he also, to these he also, presented him al- himself alive after his suffering by many convincing, infallible proofs. Appearing to them over a period of forty days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. And gathering them together he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem but to wait for what was promised which he said you have heard from me. For John indeed baptized with water but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days Uh, from now and that will do us for the time being as we have a wee bit I want to get through with you this morning during the past few weeks with the approach to Easter our minds have been reflecting on the ministry the suffering the crucifixion the death and ultimately the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and as we come to Acts chapter 1 We have the ascension of the Lord Jesus into heaven, which is witnessed by his 11 apostles. I would like you to do something for me this morning. I want you to try and place yourself at that scene. You're an apostle. Consider this, that you've been with the Lord Jesus over the past three and a half years. You've seen his miracles, in fact you've heard his calling, you've seen his miracles, you've seen the so many wonderful things that he did, you've taken sight of his sufferings and all that he endured at the hands of men. You've heard him promise that there's a day coming when he would die and couldn't understand it, because... The truth is that his disciples couldn't really understand why Jesus needed to die. And it wasn't until he got to the latter end of his ministry they realized that the fulfillment of his death was planned by God. And in John 17, you will read the great high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's praying to his father and he says, Father, now is my hour come. Well... Here's these disciples. And they're with the Lord Jesus. On that day he's ascending up into glory. How do you think you would have felt? This man who was so close to you. This man who loved you. This man who called you. This man who shared his life with you. This man who prayed with you. And now he's about to leave you and go into heaven. How do you think you would have felt? I know how I would have felt. I would have thought... Gosh, a big part of my life is going to be gone. That three and a half years, there's going to be a vacancy in my heart. I'm going to miss the Lord because I loved him so much. What are we going to do? Ah, said the Lord Jesus Christ. Tarry ye here in Jerusalem until ye have been endued with power from on high. And as they looked up into heaven and they saw him glow, there were two men standing, angels of the Lord. And they said to him, They said to them, they said, listen, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, whom you have seen going up into heaven, shall so come in like manner. Isn't that wonderful? What a great promise we have. That although Jesus has gone into heaven, it's not the end, he's coming back. And he's going to take every blood-bought child of God into glory itself. He's going to resurrect those who are dead in Christ. And he's going to bring them together along with the rest of the church that are alive at that time. And, And the Bible tells us that he'll take us up. Isn't that wonderful? Are you looking forward to that day when Christ comes back? I am. I think it's going to be a great day. Well... He commanded the disciples to remain at Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came upon them. They had lost their leader. Jesus had ascended into heaven. And what did the apostles do? Well, first of all, and very quickly, I want to mention four things about Acts chapter 1. They were confident in their beliefs. They obeyed the Lord, Acts 1 verse 12 and 13. And they returned to Jerusalem, to the upper room where they waited upon the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? You know, I think there is a great need today for the church to wait upon the Lord. I think there is a great need for the church to come together corporately today and to pray and to wait upon the Lord. Our prayer times are insufficient. I know that from personal experience. I know that from our own church and often we talk about it. There was a great appeal in our own church last week for people to come together and pray The prayer meeting is the powerhouse of God. I want to say that to you. I can't emphasize it too much. If you really want to experience the magnificent power of God, then come together to pray. God's calling us to pray. He's calling us to call out to him. Jeremiah said, Call upon me and I will answer thee and I will show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Will you come and pray? It's a fantastic thing to do. I get excited about prayer. People will say to me, Robert, you get awful excited in praying. I do because I know that's where the power of God lies. If we want to know about prayer and the power of prayer, come together corporately as a church and pray. And the God who hears will answer our prayers. Well, they were confident in beliefs. But they were also characterized by their unity. That's one of the great blessings and the necessities for the blessing of the church. If you want to experience the blessing of God, then you need to be united. Psalm 133 For brethren dwell together in unity. There the Lord commands his blessing. Thirdly, they cope with bad experiences. Do you remember the bad experience they had just a few days earlier? Uh, Judas had betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver. And now they had lost him. He had gone out into a field and he was hanged by the neck. What a tragedy. Was that weighing on their minds? Well, I think it did for a short period, but not for too long. They didn't allow them to. uh, They didn't allow the circumstances to get it down, get them down. And sometimes in church, we get confronted with circumstances which get us down. We've got to move on, because God has far greater things for us than the devil holding us down because of some past experiences. Whether it be a church experience, whether it be a personal experience in your life, God wants you to move on because he's got something far better for you. And they didn't move on. Not only did they cope with the bad experiences, but they chose another in his place. And when you get to the end of Acts chapter 1, Matthias is appointed with the 11 apostles. And that's wonderful. Well, we now come into Acts chapter 2. And this is really an exciting chapter, isn't it? We find God doing something which the whole of the civilized world would never forget. God displays... The glory of his power in the sending of the Holy Spirit into a room with about 120 believers. Can you imagine this church here, you're coming together one night to pray. And wow, the breath of God falls on you. Is that what you expect? I'm longing for it. I've been in prayer meetings where it was Electric the power of God was absolutely majestic and glorious people were absolutely filled with awe and praise and worship and you could sense the power of God in the midst of a prayer meeting I remember one night being in a church in Cairn Bulg who knows where Cairn Bulg is I had to think back there it's near Peterhead I was in a church in Cairn Bulg one night and they were having a prayer meeting and that prayer meeting went on for about two hours it was fantastic we didn't, nobody wanted to leave that's when you know God is present alright Vic, nobody wants to leave they, they just want to stay there, they want to experience the presence and power of God and when it came to the end of the service and we did leave we left the church that night and as I looked up now this was late at night the whole sky in the midst of the darkness was a blaze with a red cloud hovering over the church. And I tell you, it was the power of God. It was the presence of God over that building. And it came into the building and it filled the building and it filled the people that were in that building. I never forgot it. It's been with me right up until this day. Well, I want you to think of this 120 believers and I want you to put yourself in the upper room. Can you imagine what it would have been to be in a church service like that? Can you imagine the surprise you'd have felt as you heard the sound of the violent wind and the tongues of fire that entered into the room and rested upon your head and you begin to praise God with a language that you're given? And the next couple of verses, Acts 2 verse 5 and 6 tell us, Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in their own language. Try to visualize it in your mind. You're there. Not only have you heard the wind, seen the flames, spoken in a language that you've never learned before, but now you're being understood by thousands in the street. Wow! Isn't that amazing? They hear you declaring the wonders of God and praising him in their own language. And this was the great event that shook the world at that time. But why would God want to do it in such a way? Let me suggest three reasons. First of all, because he wanted to do something that would catch the attention of the crowd. God wanted to catch the attention of the crowd. Who was gathered? Jews from every nation on the earth at that time there were some Gentiles there too but mainly Jews and God wanted to waken them that was the second thing he wanted to do he wanted to waken up the Jewish nation and its leaders on that day for these men were men who rejected Jesus Christ these men were men who went to the Roman governors and called on the governors to put them to death they chose a thief and a robber over the person of the Lord Jesus Christ And thirdly, God did something that they would never forget and remember for the rest of their lives. In fact, God was so intent on this event 800 years previously through the prophet Joel. He prophesied that this would happen. And when you go to verse 16, Peter says in Acts chapter 2, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel now don't misunderstand me but there are some people today who get all excited about the tongues of fire and fail to understand that the wind and the flames and the tongues were a window dressing for the real message that God wanted to proclaim that day I'm not saying they're not important they were very important to the establishment of the New Testament church but when God generated the coming together of the crowd it provided a great platform for the apostle Peter To preach the, the powerful message on the day of Pentecost. A message that accomplishes far more than tongues of fire or speaking in tongues could ever have accomplished if they had been done on their own. But without the coming of the Holy Spirit, Peter would not have been able to preach this message. And now Peter preaches a message which awakened the crowd. We were talking about a community that needed to be awakened. Well, Peter now preaches a message which awakened the crowd to the reality of God and to his son, Jesus Christ. And if ever there was a need for a spiritual awakening, it's today. If ever we needed to experience the wind of the Spirit blowing through the church, it's today. Since March 2015, after I retired I'll share this with you I've had to fulfill I've fulfilled about 80 preaching engagements I couldn't do that on my own I've done that because of a group of people who are constantly in prayer for me and I'm so thankful for that my adequacy is not in myself it's from God but I'm so thankful that people are praying are praying that God will take men and that he will use men for his glory, and that he will preach the gospel, and that precious souls will be ushered into the kingdom of God. Because just now, men and women are on their way to hell. I got a call a week past Wednesday from Gordon Thompson. You know Gordon that's been here, and and Gordon said, Robbie said, have been I've been called to Edinburgh. And he said, I've got the mission on in And He says, I don't know whether I'm going to be back in time. Could you leave the mission for me on the Wednesday night and take it? I said, yeah, I'll do that. And I went and preached on the mission on the Wednesday night and took the mission through. And after that mission, a man of his middle ages came to faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? nothing to do with me it's everything to do with God and his word and the seed falling into good ground and bringing forth a harvest for God's glory God is good and I want to encourage you to pray for the people that come here and preach for the people within your own church that preach you get to pray for these people they're God's men doing God's work in a darkened world out there and they have a difficult task ahead of them and the devil is always trying to trip them up and take them down. May their adequacy be from God. Paul says that to the second, church, second letter of the Corinthian church. I think chapter 2. He says, my adequacy is from God through Jesus Christ. Oh may it so be that those of us who are, have been given this privilege of preaching the message that, that our adequacy is from God. Sin is rampant. Satan is on the march and the church sadly in many quarters is asleep. We're at times like the disciples who couldn't watch with Jesus as he prayed. They too fell asleep. But let's move on in Acts chapter 2 we have God's great affirmation affirmation of this man called Jesus. God sent Jesus to mankind. Jesus of Nazareth, verse 22, was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did amongst you through him as you yourselves know. They knew God was in the midst of them. They knew that God was in Christ. These Jewish leaders just knew it because every time Christ spoke to them, he condemned them. They were living in a state of self-righteousness. In fact, at one point he called them whited sepulchers. They were all nice and white and shiny because of the the religious obedience on the outside, but they were as dark as hell on the inside. Dark as sin. And that's why he called them whited sepulchers. But verse 23, God delivered Jesus into the hands of the crowd. Now it wasn't the crowd themselves that were solely responsible for this. God had a plan from eternity past. Isn't that wonderful? God looked into the future and could see the sin of mankind. And you and I who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ were chosen in Christ before the very foundation of the world. Jesus is the Lamb of God as the Lamb of God is the Lamb of God that was slain the Bible says before the very foundation of the world, God had a plan and you and I were part of that plan and I'm so glad about that. Wonderful, wonderful plan. Not only had God sent Jesus to them, but many in this crowd had put Jesus to death. Being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and have put him to death. But not only that, verse 24 Not only had Jesus been sent to them and they had crucified him but he didn't stay dead Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Come on, say it with me Hallelujah yeah. What a saviour Bearing shame and scoffing rude in my place condemned he stood sealed my pardon with his blood Hallelujah! What a saviour oh wow, what a saviour we've got eh? death could not hold its prey, Jesus my saviour he tore the bars away, Jesus my lord and up from the grave he arose God raised him from the dead I was had to go into um, not a debate but uh, quite a discussion about someone who was preaching that when Jesus died, God was dead, that was it. <laughs> and I had to start to teach them about the immortality of God, the immutability of God. God cannot die, he's, he's immortal. He's immutable, deity cannot die. And they got quite a shock. I want to tell you that if God had been dead, how was it possible for God to raise him from the dead? God cannot die. I want to make that abundantly clear this morning. But verse 30 says that God swore an oath therefore being a prophet. And knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body according to the flesh. He would raise Christ up to sit on his throne. Not David. That's interesting. And again in verse 32 God again confirms and again this Jesus God hath raised up and Peter puts onto it, whereof we are all witnesses. So Christ had ascended into glory, but here's all the Jews in Jerusalem and Peter is saying, we saw him you and I can't say that today that we've seen him but what we can say is since the moment I yielded my life to Jesus, I know that he reigns within me Because when Christ comes into us, he gives us his Holy Spirit and our body becomes the temple in which the Spirit of God dwells. Isn't that wonderful? You're the temple in which the Spirit of God by his Spirit is living in you. And when the Word comes to us, it's quickened by the Spirit of God in us. It brings us to life. And as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, what happens? We become more Christ-like hallelujah what a savior he's always at work in everything that we do verse 33 god exalts christ to his right hand therefore being exalted to the right hand of god and having received from the father the promise of the holy spirit he poured out this which you now see and hear and that's what peter was saying to these jewish leaders that were present that day he says what you see is not of man this is god at work This is God doing what he said he would do. And not only so, so, but verse 34 and 35. God didn't just raise him from the dead. He says, but now Jesus is seated at the right hand of God to rule and reign and make all his enemies his footstool. You're his enemies, he said. And God's going to make you his footstool. Wow. He's been exalted to the highest place, the right hand of God. They rise against him. They're put under his feet. Paul says to the church of Philippi. At the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Do you know something? For some it will be too late. For some it will be too late. There's a world outside which is dying. Vic spoke about it this morning. The fastest sleep we need the word of God to awaken them and and make them angry, and you'll find out as if further down this message here throughout the sermon. Peter quoted prophecies from the Old Testament to prove his points, and if he had been wanted, they'd been there. It could have been there all day telling them about over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament and not even giving mention to the imagery and the object lessons planted throughout the law and by the prophets which told who Jesus was and what he had come to do and this was one of the greatest gospel messages ever proclaimed nothing like it had ever been declared before because this wasn't just theology This was a declaration that God had done something different. God had stepped down out of heaven. God had become flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. God had sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins. God had raised him up the third day according to the scriptures. And God had made him both Lord and Christ. That's the approval of God on this man called Jesus. Isn't it wonderful? Hallelujah. What a saviour in fact it was such an amazing and powerful message that when Paul and Silas preached it to the Thessalonian church many people complained they're turning this world upside down what do you think you're doing? and you know there are things with men and women that, 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 that doesn't sit about this gospel that, that, that doesn't sit properly with them they don't like it two things in particular God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, wow what a stinging accusation both Lord and Christ, men don't want a spiritual master over their lives you get into the world there and start sharing the gospel, do you know that Jesus has come sir to you to tell you that he died for you in the cross that he loved you so much that your sin separates you from God and he wants you to repent of your sin and he wants to be your saviour and your lord He wants to be master over your life. What? Somebody in control of my life? No way, Jose. They don't want it. The world don't want a master over their life. They don't want Christ in control of their life. They don't want the Lord Jesus as Lord of their life. They rejected him and sent him to Calvary. And that's one of the things that doesn't sit well with them. The other thing is this. They had crucified Jesus. And Peter says in his message, Whom you crucified, Jesus died, and you put him on the cross. Wow. This is the greatest message you will ever hear. The results of the message were unimaginable that day. And it's interesting that Peter preached this sermon on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost means... 50 or the 50th because it was a special holy day observed by the Jews 50 days after the Passover. And Acts 2 and 40, one says this those that gladly received his word were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. How many people responded to God that day on the day of Pentecost? 3,000 wow this was the last Pentecost ever recorded in scripture and if this was the last one there has to be a first do you remember when the first Pentecost was do you remember when Israel were, kept, were captive in Egypt they were under bondage to Pharaoh do you remember that story and the blood of the lamb was shed and put in the lintel in the side posts of the door and this was the first Passover in Israel—sorry, eh, in Egypt, Israel's Passover in Egypt. And they were set free after that. And 50 days later, where do you think they're found? They're found at the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. And there's Moses going up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. And of course Israel was so impatient waiting on them coming back. But Moses came back down the mountain and what he discovered was... That they had made this golden calf. And they were worshipping this golden calf. So Moses storms into the camp. He's absolutely fuming. And he threw the ten commandments down. And smashed them. He got this golden, golden calf. Heated it up. ground it down. And threw it into the water. And made them drink of it. And on that day. Three thousand people died. Now that's interesting. On the first Passover, 50 days later, 3,000 people are dead because of the rebellion against God. But when we get to the last Passover mentioned in the Bible here, there are 3,000 souls saved. Isn't that wonderful? What's the lessons we learn from it? If we continue in a rebellion with God and we don't come and receive Him as our Savior and make Him Lord of our lives... We will experience not just physical death but spiritual death. Separated from God for all eternity. But if we come and repent and accept him and receive him as our saviour and Lord. We can know him in such a wonderful way. For he forgives all of our sins. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And we are saved by God's amazing grace and what we've been singing this morning is exciting isn't it saved by his grace wonderful what a wonderful saviour we have well suppose you were in the crowd that morning and you were part of the crowd that called for Jesus to be crucified (gasps) suppose you were there when the Pharisees and the chief priests whipped the crowd into frenzy and voices your voice joined the others and demanded crucify him Crucify him, we will not have this man to reign over us. And you repeat it over and over again and again. What do you think God would do about that? You find out that you were party to the execution of the Messiah, the Son of God. Think about that. You have put God's Son to death on a cross. I mean, if somebody killed your son or your daughter or a member of your family, would you not be looking for some kind of justice to be done? The crowd at Pentecost had killed the Son of God. What do you think they deserved? Punished? Or pardoned? And so in holy fear, the crowd erupts under such deep conviction of their sin. And they cry, what shall we do? Peter's reply is so simple and direct and undeserved that many people today don't even believe it. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's it. No working for salvation. No payment. Jesus paid the full price for our sin on the cross of Calvary. Past, present and future. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. What a saviour. Repentance means to turn away from sin. Confessing your sin to God. He will forgive you. He will pardon you. He will give you new life. And he gives his Holy Spirit to live within you. Time is running out for men and women that reject Jesus Christ. The writer to the Hebrews says it's appointed unto man once to die but after this the judgments. Your sins and mine is the reason that Jesus was nailed to that cross. But it wasn't the nails that held him there. It was his love. For you and for me. God's justice for sin was satisfied in the death of Christ. And as a result, he is freely able to pardon. Hallelujah. What a saviour. Let me close with this question. Are you numbered with the 120 believers on the day of Pentecost? Or are you in the crowd crying away with him? We will not have this man to rule over us do you love your sin more than you love Jesus your adultery your promiscuity any addiction whether it be drugs, alcohol, gambling do you know the worst sin of all the sin that keeps people from coming to Jesus pride that's it pride what about your pride this morning Are you completely yielded to Jesus Christ? The rejection of Christ. This is exactly what led to the death of 3,000 people in the Old Testament. That morning when they rebelled against God. They loved their way. Their idolatry they loved more than God. But God loves you so much more. That he gave his son Jesus Christ to die for you. I want to ask you. What will you do with this man? called Jesus which is called the Christ will you continue in your sin and reject him will you come and receive him as saviour and let him be lord of your life as believers will we draw closer to him so that every moment of every day Christ might be formed in us until that day when the climax of history comes upon us and God will gather his own people home to himself that's a great day to look forward to isn't it the ascension of Christ into glory is not the end he's coming again and he's coming for you and for me what a great day that's going to be when we'll be freed not just from the power of sin but we'll be freed from the very presence of sin altogether no sin there Revelation 21 and 4 no more sickness no more sin no more sorrow for all the former things have passed away three weeks ago four weeks ago I laid my brother to rest Ian died in hospital and we were there with him as he, the Lord took him home what, a, what an experience that was just to see your brother going home to glory I want to hang on to him (laughs) but you know I wouldn't wish him back and I got a call from the family Alan his son called me and asked me if I would take his funeral service and I did and I said at the funeral service I said Ian was ready for this moment of death I want to ask the question of you who are standing around and there was about 130 there at the graveside I said, are you ready for your moment of death? I'm ready to go. Ready to go. If the Lord takes me now, I'm ready to go. What about you? Are you all ready to go? Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you for your help with the word this morning. And we pray, Lord, that Christians will have been stimulated by... Uh, the word of God this morning the coming of the Holy Spirit into our lives to quicken us to make us live out our lives for you to cause us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ that we might know nothing other than Jesus Christ in him crucified oh Lord this morning we give you all the glory we give you all the glory because of who you are and because of what you have done You not only died on the cross. But on the third day you rose again. And one day you're coming back. And we say hallelujah. What a saviour. Receive of our thanks for the help you've given this morning. Bless everyone that's gathered here Lord. We ask that your word will find a resting place in our hearts. And that it will draw us closer to Christ. Until that day when you will come and take us home. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.